Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. So this morning, we are continuing in our series called Unstuck, and we're talking today about the pathway as a community from isolation into belonging. So really quickly before we get started here with our main event, um, I want to just talk a little bit about the difference between um, isolation and solitude. Because these are two different things, and I want to make sure that we're understanding what we're talking about when we talk about isolation in particular. So if we're thinking about, because both are, have to do with aloneness, in a sense. So uh, solitude we think of as rest, refreshment, and connection with God uninterrupted and beautiful. But isolation is aloneness that seems without option, like a forced aloneness and a cut-off feeling. Uh, one pastor, Carrie Newhoff, says this, solitude is good, it recharges the soul. It offers time for reflection, for prayer. And even when you are alone, you're, and you're, if you're experiencing solitude, excuse me, you're still connected. Solitude connects you to God, to yourself, to prepare you to be connected to others. Isolation, on the other hand, is never replenishing. It can feel like solitude in the sense that you are alone, but isolation doesn't connect you to anyone. Isolation does what the word suggests. It cuts you off from God, from others, and sometimes even from yourself. So this morning, when we talk about isolation and the path from isolation to belonging, we're setting solitude, that refreshing thing, aside. That's not the conversation we're having. We're talking specifically about isolation. Now, sometimes being alone is a choice, and sometimes it's forced on us, like COVID, just as a random example. But sometimes it's forced on us. And sometimes the difference can be a little fuzzy because sometimes we actually flee to be alone, actually seeking to isolate rather than to find solitude. Rather to isolate, to withdraw, to cut ourselves off. Sometimes it's protection, perhaps, or avoidance of something because connection and belonging actually is hard work. Not only emotionally, it's hard sometimes to feel like you're ready to be vulnerable, to put yourself out there, to carry the cares of others in a very real and authentic way. But also logistically, and I've said this before, but connection in the city is extra hard. We're not all passing each other at the same grocery store or at the same schoolyard, t-ball game, things like that. And so the point of intersections that happen in a city, we need to work for those, but my, my theory is that that's work that's well worth it because we have to fight against that kind of isolation that I think sometimes being in a city of millions of people can um, exacerbate, strangely enough. So I think about the passage in Matthew 12, 46. We have this scene where Jesus was speaking to the crowd and his mothers and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside. They want to speak to you. And Jesus asked, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so Jesus in this moment does something really radical in that culture especially. A lot of us don't live near our families. And so they all did. And the family tie was an incredibly strong unit. And so when he busts that open and says that that goes for the people who are belonging with him, he's doing something really radical. So he's saying that this belonging is not just a responsibility 
It's not just affection for one another. It's actually a sense of belonging, a family of God truly belonging with and to and for one another. So rather than doing a sermon on this, uh, besides a couple minutes introduction, we want to learn as a church. We're committed to learn always from various voices, different voices, and also from lived experience. And that's a beautiful thing. Teaching doesn't always just come from a book or a sermon or a talk. It, it comes from lived experience and what the Holy Spirit has taught us as individuals in our living out of a normal life. And so we want to be taught by the lived experience of one another. So Christina Cleveland or Christine Cleveland has said that every culture knows something about God that the other cultures could not know without them. I think that's a beautiful sentiment. Without them explaining or teaching their experience of God, their viewpoint um, about God's character, uh, we, we can't know that. And the beautiful someday is that all tribes and all nations are gonna be worshiping together, knowing that fullness from learning from one another's lived experiences. But until that comes, we're going to be formed by the Spirit among us, learning about um, Maddie Morrison's experience in living in the Mexican culture, about this pathway that she experienced and got to live um, in real life on going from isolation to belonging. So first of all, will you guys welcome Maddie with me? Yay, Maddie! There is applause in living rooms around Chicago and beyond right now. I know you all are applauding Maddie. Thank you. Um, so because we don't all know Maddie, um, I thought I would give us one random question to get to know her entire personality with one question that she doesn't know that I'm about to ask her yet. So first, let me think. Okay, how is this? If I were to be able to give you one extra day in your calendar, you have no to-dos, no budget constraints, and no work, Nothing's on the calendar. You have an eight-day week this week. What would you do with your one extra day? Um, with my one extra day, I would, um, wow, what would I do? <laughs> I would probably travel to, like, if I could, like, teleport or something like that. Yeah, or for sure, teleporting is an option. Like that. Um, I would probably travel to see my friends that I haven't seen in many years that live in countries that can't, they, they can't come back here um, because I miss them. And I would love to eat with them, and yeah. Tell me one thing you would eat while you're with them, because we already know you love your friends, but what's the food that you love with them? Oh my goodness, it would probably be street food, um, because it's like, I'm probably unfamiliar with like these cultures. Um, I feel like in street food, you can see it all. <laughs> Maddie is a chef, if you didn't know. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, so food is one of her love languages. So, yes. okay, so we're gonna dive right in, Maddie. Um, first of all, I want you to just tell us a little bit about the nature of your trip and what it was you were doing. All right, um, so, hello. I'm a Chicago native, so I'm like from here. Um, but for two years of my life, I dropped my entire culture. Um, I stopped claiming, not claiming, but like just gave up everything that said, I'm from Chicago, I'm from the States, um, and really just engulfed and like absorbed the Mexican culture. Um, I moved to Mexico City, which is a mega city. It is so big. It is the second largest city um, on this half of the hemisphere. Um, but I had the opportunity of going there and serving with um, an organization called Milamex, which is based in Mexico City. Um, it was founded in the 60s, and they started the organization with the idea of providing Christian literature for Latin America, but they have since then expanded. Um, and so one of their ministries that they have there is a coffee shop, which is really cool. Um, and so I had the, op my goodness, I had the opportunity to manage their coffee shop, um, which was super fun. And they got to use all of my skill sets. So, yeah. Excellent. So 
I wonder what was it that inspired you to take that particular trip, that place, that time? What, what was the insp inspiration for that trip? Um, so when I first met Jesus um, and I started reading my Bible, um, what I noticed was this theme of like people grow when they're uncomfortable and um, really that God has this desire for his people to go and share his message of love and hope. Um, and so I really wanted to do that, but I had no idea what that looked like, um, like as a young person. Like I knew that you could go on a mission trip for a week or two, but that wasn't like, I don't really want to do that. Um, I was really like intentional and intent on serving here in Chicago or serving in whatever city I was living in. Um, so really finding something that really kind of mixed the two um, was just really cool. So I got to, I found a um, organization that was like, oh my goodness, we love young people. You should serve for two years. I was like, okay, two years, that's like enough, right? Um, and so for two years of my life, I jumped on over there and um, I chose this particular place because they were able to use like all of my skill sets because I can do more than just cook. I can do many things in the restaurant. Um, and I didn't wanna just make coffee. I wanted to do more than that. Um, so was, they were able to use all of my aspects um, like professionally. And then I really, really wanted to go somewhere though where I could learn their culture um, where I could learn the difficulties of like why their culture is the way it is. I didn't just want to like hop, skip, and a jump somewhere. Um, so I really enjoyed going there, and I chose this particular place because they were so intentional on training people and teaching people the difficulties of Mexican culture, but then with those difficulties, how to share the love of Jesus. Yeah. I can't remember. Did you speak the language before you went? Were you, no, did you go bilingual? I, I went only speaking English. Um, I had learned a language before, but yeah, I kind of know the ropes in learning a language, but I just jumped right on in there. So cool. Okay, so did you know, thinking back, what did you expect it would be like beforehand? What did you know that you were a little bit afraid of or excited for, thinking mm -hmm. back to before it happened? Mm -hmm. um, so I knew, this is like before, like I know something, language is actually something many people struggle with or fear, right? They're like, oh my gosh, there's gonna be signs in a foreign language. Oh my goodness, I don't know this language. People are talking to me, they're talking to me fast. Oh my goodness, what's happening? Um, and so I feel like that's overwhelming for many people, but thankfully, the way that I was like brought up, I was brought up like, I was raised in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, so I heard Spanish all the time and I heard the Gailo all the time and even in my own family, we like heard, like we grew up with Vietnamese culture around us. So like hearing foreign languages was never like a confusing thing. It was never like a daunting thing. Like, oh, people speak like multiple languages, that's fine. Um, so that idea of somebody like talking behind my back, like it was never like in my brain. I was just like, oh, they're just speaking Spanish and I just don't understand, I need to catch up. Um, and so that um, taking like, what is it? The language is like a big fear that people have. Um, but thankfully I didn't, wasn't too stressed out about it. I was just very intentional. Um, I continually surrounded my myself with people that only spoke Spanish. Um, my friends that spoke English, I was like, stop speaking English to me, like speak Spanish to me, like it's okay if I don't understand. I'm like, no, 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 we need you to understand. Um, but yeah, I think that's a big fear. Um, thankfully I didn't have it. And then I'm from a city, I love the city life. Um, and so Mexico City, like I said, is a mega city, um, but I just slid on right in there, so there was no worries there, but yeah. <laughs> So if it wasn't language, was there anything else or were you kind of just all excitement, all gung-ho? Yeah, it was mostly just excitement. I yeah, I was it. very excited. All gung-ho. So when you actually arrived, mm -hmm. um, what was striking to you maybe that you didn't expect or just something that really stood out to you right away upon arriving or quickly within your life there? 
Um, so we're talking about isolation now. Um, and so I think something that I expected was to feel like so separate or so isolated from like Mexicans because I'm not Mexican at all. And I thought like, oh, they're gonna see me as an outsider for like, this is fine, I just have to figure it out. I'll make friends, it'll be hard, but it'll be okay. But I really only felt like isolated for just a few days, like not even a week. Um, because people were so excited that I was there and I was so excited to be there. And so those two like things just really meshed together. Um, it kind of surprised me, honestly, how quickly people um, adapted me into their family. They would say, yes, this is my daughter. Oh my goodness, yes, this is my sister. I was like, what? We just met last week and you're already <laughs> claiming me? They're like, yes, of course. Like, you're part of the body of Christ. Like, yes, you, you're one of us. Like, come on, like, let's go. Um, I think one of the coolest things I saw was the family, the first family that I lived with um, was a very large family. Um, but I, the people that I lived with, there was only two, like a couple I lived with. Um, so it was just the three of us and we lived in this like apartment that the husband like grew up in. So he grew up in this home and then downstairs his cousins lived there and his aunt lived there. And then around the corner, his grandmother lived there. And then his um, cousin was like our worship pastor at our church and he was over with all of his kids and his wife all of the time. And so they were just constantly together, constantly like having parties at one another's houses. Um, I remember getting like several like calls, like Maddie, where are you? Why aren't you here? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm studying. And they're like, we don't care if you're studying. It's somebody's <laughs> birthday. Come downstairs or come around the corner. And I was just like, oh my goodness, okay. Um, and so I got into the flow of like just inviting myself over to people's houses because it was expected. Um, like if I came home from work early, like I need to stop at the auntie's house to like, of course, drink coffee with her, run errands for her. Um, and so it was very interesting how um, ready they were for me to just be a part of their lives. But then like, I was very like excited and I felt so honored to just jump right in there with them. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, you see it, trying to remember some of the things we talked about. So I got to know just a little bit about Maddie's story when she returned here to the States. She, it was during COVID and she jumped right back in to Zoom, which was certainly lackluster, but the way that we could connect. And she told me just this much about the story and it was so compelling just how the expectation, the cultural expectation of belonging was so immediate and so different. And some, sometimes you, like even if you were to like go to your room that that mm -hmm. registered as something different to them than it would to us. Exactly, yeah. They, they are so community oriented and so family oriented. Um, like if I worked a whole day um, and I come home, there's of course people in the house all the time. And if I went immediately to my room cause I'm like, oh, I need to like take a nap or oh, I need to like just breathe for two seconds. Um, they were like, mm, don't do that. Um, because if you did that, it would seem as if I like didn't want to be with them, which is of course not true. But there's like an indirectness to their culture. And so I had learned to just, okay, just give that part up. And if I want to take a nap, take a nap in the, like, in the living room on the couch. Or if I want to come home and I want to zone out, like let's wash some dishes and just like zone out. Um, but really learning to be present and always like, not even always serving, but just literally being present nonstop. Um, I learned to find comfort in that, and they, of course, loved it. It was so great. How was it being somebody who was coming from the outside, so to speak, but, you know, being together, being in belonging gets messy sometimes. Mm -hmm. How did that go when you had to have messiness mm -hmm. um, but still be belonging together? <laughs> um, so many things. Because um, life is life. Like, it's hard. Um, you get angry with each other. Um, 
it's just life happens. But honestly, like, I would always tell them, like, it's okay. Like, I'm from the States. You can be direct if you don't like something. Um, and that was something they were like, am I allowed to say exactly what I feel? I'm like, please. Like, I would prefer it. Like, we're not going to lose this relationship. It's totally fine. Um, but, yeah, life, thankfully, everybody that I lived with loved Jesus. And so we were able to continually look back to Jesus, continually to look back to the Bible um, if there was something like we were just like butting heads or sometimes we're like, okay, we're just going to be different about this. That's okay. Um, but really at the end of the day, we wanted to love one another. We wanted to serve one another. And I think like that just took greater precedent than like all of like the messiness of like us just being humans. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Um, so one of the things that was really compelling to me as I heard just a little bit about Maddie's experience over Zoom again when you returned was um, your commitment to bring what you learned, what you experienced, not just what you witnessed, but what you actually experienced, mm -hmm. to bring that back with you, to not let that go. And right. that takes commitment, like I said, yes. in a city that we're not, like we live in neighborhoods all over this city. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and, and we as a church are really longing to live out in this series, the formation of truly knowing what it means to call out of isolation and into belonging. And it, it takes work in a city, in a culture mm -hmm. like ours. So I wanna just ask, um, like what kind of things did you do to bring that learning, that experience back with you? And um, what challenges do you think that you faced um, and that we therefore also probably face as we look to translate an experience like that from the Mexican culture, as we learn about God from other cultures. Like what are some difficulties we face just straight up when we're looking at learning from this other culture in our own experience of God and community and belonging? Yeah. Um, so I was warned like before I came back, like be careful of reverse culture shock, it's real. And I was like, okay. Um, it's fine. Um, but one of the things I was very intentional about was surrounding myself with other Latinos because they grew up this way. They have this like lived experience and it's so like embedded in their culture to be so community focused or family focused. And so I intentionally live in a Mexican neighborhood. Um, it is, it, every, every, all of my neighbors are from Mexico. I think I have one person who's from Puerto Rico and I was like, wow. Wow, this is exciting. Um, but it's really cool because their sense of, like, their, the way that they live their life is much more different than, I think, a person who was born and raised in the States because they are so community-focused and family-centered. Their life is a little bit slower. Um, even though they live in a city, it's mm -hmm. a little bit slower. Um, for example, I'm always talking with my neighbors nonstop. Like, if I see them in the street, we t not do more than just, how was your day? But, oh, my goodness, did you see this? And have you tried this bread recently or this bakery? And it's just always, like, there's things that they want to share and they want to talk about. And I think like it's heightened because we do live in a quarantine like way, but they're just so excited to like share. And I think like that's something that I know that if I didn't live in a neighborhood surrounded by Latinos, I wouldn't find that as quickly. Um, mm -hmm. Like I've lived in Chicago before and I didn't know my neighbors. And I was like, okay, this is sad. Um, and so I was so afraid of just going to that isolated state of being away and not knowing the people that I lived around or my community. Um, and I know that that's something that I know before I moved to Mexico that I myself was one of those people. Um, I was so self-focused that I only wanted to do things or talk to people in a sense that benefited me versus pausing and going to the same grocery store every single day um, or going to the same bakery every single day and getting to know the owners. Um, 
which is so common in Mexico because everybody's cousin literally owns something. So you can literally <laughs> visit everybody's family in one go. It's great. Um, but I know that's not so much as the case here. And I know that's something that I am trying and sh challenging myself to not fall back into mm -hmm. um, in that like self-focus, only talking to people I want to talk to, but as opposed to like looking at the people around me and really responding and serving them in ways that I can. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful. How long? Now, you went and lived with Christian families who were followers of Jesus mm -hmm. in their home. Mm -hmm. But here, you moved into a neighborhood and you still had the same experience with your neighbors yeah. and the, it's, it happened again. Yeah, it happened so right again, yeah. Fought the system, that's awesome. So <laughs> as we try to think as a community, because this is really a lot, we've talked about this, the series Unstuck, as we move from um, places of, say, isolation to belonging, we're really not just talking about uh, individual. We're really talking about like as a community, how can we be formed by these these thoughts? And so mm -hmm. um, when you think about us as a community, and especially in the place we are now, I know, Maddie, it's not on you to solve <laughs> COVID isolation, but um, as a community, when we try to adjust our lives to live that kind of life out with our neighbors who may not be believers or here within the church. Um, what did you learn that you could bring to us and share that, that might be ways that we can um, adjust our lives together as we learn from this culture that is, is different from our own in, in the north side of Chicago? Um, so something that I noticed like right away is the way people share. Um, in Mexico. It's crazy. Um, like if you buy ice cream, you offer somebody your lick, like the first lick of your ice cream. I'm like, that's gross. Like who does that? And they're like, everybody. I was like, no, I'm okay. Thank you. That's where I draw the line. Um, but like if you buy like popcorn, like offering people the first bite, if you like offering, like whenever you have something, sharing your food is like so common. And it's like, you might just get one bite but all of your friends got a bite. Like it's mm -hmm. so common and so like natural, like they do it right away. Um, and I think like it's something good and that's something they wanna share. Um, and they do that with like clothes. Like if I say, oh my goodness, I love your sweater. The next day my friend would like wrap it up for me. Like, here's my sweater, like give it back whenever you want. I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's, that's too much. Like you did not, have, I just thought it was cute on you. And they're like, oh no, what's mine is literally yours. Um, and that sense of like sharing everything isn't just for me. It's not mine, but it's literally for everybody. And it's just an item. Like I would rather like foster this relationship that we have. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's something that we can do with the people that we interact like every day, like literally sharing what is good, um, whether it's the first bite of our pizza, like just sharing absolutely everything that we can, um, whether that's our time or our literal items. Um, I think that's, it's, and it's a hard one. And I know it's something that like, I personally like struggle with is sharing my time. Like I only want to share my time with people I want to. Um, but really again, learning how to slow and just be like in it is different. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of this. That was really um, a great response. Can we thank Maddie for being here with us and sharing her experience? Um, Maddie, I would love if you would be willing to pray over us as a community and just continue on in your same, just this vein of care and wisdom over us as we continue to grow more and more in Christ likeness. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to pray over us as we yeah. turn now to respond. Yeah, okay. Um, Jesus, we thank you so much for this day, God. Lord, I thank you so much for a community of believers that you've provided us with, Lord. God, I thank you so much that you've placed us in neighborhoods with people that may not know you, God. 
Um, Lord, I pray that you use us. God, I pray that you help us to hear you um, and to see you everywhere, Lord, um, and to really just share the goodness that you have for others, Lord. Um, Lord, however you see that fit, whether it's just sharing the things that we have, um, letting people borrow our, our power tools, God, just like very simple things, God. Um, and Lord, I pray that you use those simple interactions really to just help us to share the love of Christ, Lord, with those that are around us, God. Um, God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, um, for this wonderful Sunday that we are together, God, and for those that are online, Lord. Um, Lord, we just thank you so much um, for this whole day, and we just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.